Welcome to the Marketing and Other Markets podcast with me, Matt Moscow. This is a podcast for real estate industry professionals who are doers. Each episode will feature an interview with a top producer or someone who's doing things differently in an exciting way. For those who already know me or have read my books and blogs, my brand of marketing is tangible and repeatable because we don't all need to reinvent the wheel. Every episode, my promise to you is that you will leave with at least one tangible idea that you can execute on today. Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Marketing in Other Markets. Today's a little bit weird because we're marketing someone from the same market as me, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've known Jason Lash for probably, if I've been in the business for 10 years, I've known him for nine and a half. I remember splitting a Giorgio's pizza with him back when that was a thing uh, close to a decade ago. Uh, Jason <laughs> is has been in the business for 23 years. And one thing that I respect about him more than, more than a lot of other uh, sales professionals in the country is his mindset. Uh, he is a master of working on his business rather than only getting drowned by working in his business. And since I've known him, he has just developed awesome systems for, I hate to say, working the leads that a lot of other people aren't willing to work. And he's, sure. him and his team have had great success in it. So Jason, welcome to the podcast today. Well, well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, we, 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 we've known each other for a long time. You remember you from back to the old building. So uh, I love what you guys do, and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. So, um, you know, everyone out there knows, like, I always interview people before the interview, I think. You know, every meeting should have a meeting before the meeting. And when we had ours last week, you mentioned a lot of really interesting things. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that that interested me was that, why you became a realtor. And uh, you, you put it in some really funny words last time. So how would you describe your path to becoming a realtor? Uh, I didn't have a choice. No one would hire me. Uh, I, I, I've told this story before. I actually came from your industry. I came from the mortgage world. And uh, 2008 came and kicked me out of the business. Um, every company I went to would either get bought out or just go out of business. So I said, uh, the heck with mortgages, I'm done. And, uh, then I, that was my first time ever actually really looking for a job and I couldn't get employment. Uh, my resume was hundred percent mortgages. And in 2008, if you turned on the news at nighttime, uh, I was the one that caused the problem. So I got, I couldn't find a job and, and, uh, uh, we had a broker, uh, a broker offered me a position and he was the only person that was willing to, to give me work. So I, that's, I became a realtor because literally cause no one else would hire me. I mean, hell hunger is a pretty powerful motivator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not somebody who likes to sit around and uh, and collect unemployment or whatever. That's just not my DNA. And I needed a job, and uh, I actually got offers for telemarketing, believe it or not. And I figured, well, there's nothing wrong with telemarketing, but if I'm going to telemarket, I, I should probably sell my product as opposed to somebody else's product. And uh, I became a real estate agent because I really couldn't find a new career. And you know, I think that really leads into the next point. Like you, were, you were thinking about telemarketing. You already had skills in that arena. And while everybody else was just and has been for the past 10 years working nothing but their sphere, which, by the way, on this mm -hmm. podcast, we talk a whole lot about marketing to your sphere because it makes sure. sense for 90% of agents. But you have yep. found an incredible niche in work in generating leads, working those leads, closing those leads. And then once you master that in training been building and training your team to do the same thing for a little bit of leverage. So walk us through how you got into the online lead game and kind of how your career has evolved over the years. Well, so first of all, I mean, working your sphere and, and referrals is a wonderful business. Tomorrow I have a client appreciation event going on just 
for, for our sphere and, and, you know, I want to give back to our clients, but I, from a business standpoint, we want to get referrals too. So that is great. But I, I, uh, when I started, uh, like I said before, you know, it's basically cold calling, calling expires and fizzbos, which is, again, is a great way to start, you know, generating business when you don't have money for marketing. But I, I wanted to turn this into a business. I changed my mindset from chasing the deal to chase the business. And once I got myself out of debt, uh, I, I started investing into different uh, different avenues for lead generation until I found my niche. And um, we still do the expires and fizzballs. We're still heavy into that. But we just just wanted to diversify our business. And a lot of that comes from several different online sources, including my own online source, just, you know, doing our own Google pay-per-click and doing our own Facebook retargeting. I love that. So what, um, what total sources are you guys using right now? You mentioned Google. You mentioned Facebook, but like, what what does that actually look like? Are you using some type of custom landing page? Are you converting to messages? Give us some information sure. on like the types of online ads. That well, you uh, right, right now we have thirty one different lead sources. To be honest with you, I like to take a lead a source every quarter. Yeah, I, I, I try to take a lead source every quarter and um, try to master it for the quarter. Uh, it doesn't mean I have to turn a profit that quarter, but decide if I want to keep it. Uh, mm-hmm. After the quarter, if I could see myself, see our team making a profit, then we're going to go from there. Um, I do a lot of my own in there. Out of the 31 sources, I you know I do consider you know Google pay per click. I do a lot of boosting my own stuff. Uh, in certain markets, I actually have I'm actually the number one. According to Google, I get more hits than even Zillow in some markets uh, on my website. So I uh, do a lot of that. I do a ton of social media, not just throwing the random clickbait out there, which there's nothing wrong with. We do some of that, but also a lot of retargeting. For people on there, I do a lot of Realtor.com, Zillow, you know, that's really the same things that everybody else is out there. Really, really want as many lead sources as we possibly can. It, I, I, that's a passion of mine is diversifying your lead sources. If you're only going to go off one lead source and that lead source changes for any reason, well, you're going to change with that lead source. And, right. uh, you know, if Zillow goes down, we're not a Zillow team. That's just one of our lead sources. It'll hurt, but we'll just, we have other ones out there that can pick up the people. Well, I think that's like that's a great point for everyone listening out there. I mean, a lot of times people knock either Zillow or they knock buying online leads, but the real the real thing when it comes down to it is you it is bad to be married and have your entire business rest on a single lead source. Like I think everyone would agree that that's not a good thing. However, once you know how to work internet leads or what I would call like leads that don't already know how great you are, um, the, the same principles really apply to a lot of them. Um, although I'm sure here or there you find a bad lead source. Yeah. And by the way, going back to if you're just strictly referrals, that is just one lead source. And if your friends and family are not, if if they're down, if they don't know a lot of people, well, guess what? You're going to be down too. And it doesn't mean that you have to go to internet lead sources. You could do open houses. You could do door knocking. There's you, there's multiple free lead sources you can do too. So when we're talking about diversification, it doesn't just have to be online, but you, everybody should be diversifying their lead sources. Now, how do, you, how do you work the cultivation side? Because obviously you have all these leads coming in from all these different sources. Do you, get, do, do you and your team work these different types of leads in the same way, regardless of where they're from? Like, are all buyer leads worked the same way? Or like, what's, what's the process there for how you treat That's those That's a great question. Ways? So we feed everything into our CRM system. Uh, we got a pretty good CRM, and uh, our CRM will then uh, distribute the leads according to the lead routing rules that I set up. Uh, we have four different tiers of leads, uh, with the, the fourth tier, the top tier, actually being listing leads. 
And uh, it, depending at uh, where the agent meets as far as the, the standards and production standards and, and cultural standards, they can they'll qualify for the different tiers of leads. Uh, the leads come in through our system, through our CRM system. The CRM system actually distributes them for me based on the rules I set up. And then they're, they're assigned action plans. So every agent on the team will, will log in and uh, they'll have their tasks based on the action plan of the, where the lead source comes from. I mean, I think that's fascinating because I think a lot of people out there, whether they're working in their sphere or whether they're working online leads, they don't have uh, a system with rules for what's going to happen. And I think rules are huge yeah. because, like, anytime you have a rule, it's less mental effort that you have to put into it. It's the same thing that happens in the background every single time. And then you can focus your effort as the leader or as the, the realtor in charge or whatever you want to call it into managing the system rather than babysitting where every lead uh, where every lead went. Did someone get back to this one? Did someone not get back to this one? Um, it just it frees up a lot of your time to work on bigger picture issues. So we chase the business, not the deal. Chase the business, not the deal. I love that. So it, could you give anyone some tips out there? So when you're doing like Google leads, for instance, you know, I know it's easy to set up a Google, a Google ad, I mean, but it's not necessarily easy to do a good one. What, uh, what tips would you have for someone uh, in terms of like what, how to convert them into a lead, um, whether that be a website call to action or like what's working these days to convert those Google ads? So, so first of all, there's a lot of products out there that, uh, a lot of companies out there that do a good job at uh, setting up, uh, if you were talking about Google ads, pay-per-click ads. Um, and I believe even you're pretty good at that from, from what I remember, that was one of the things that you're, one of your strengths. Um, it, so, but if you ever want to outsource it, um, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with outsourcing it. Um, there's a lot of companies out there like Y Local. I like uh, I like Y Local with some of the stuff they're doing, and there's there's a bunch of them out there. Uh, I like to manage my stuff, but I focus more of mine. I'm more local. Uh, I, I want people that are targeting more subdivisions or buildings, and uh, there's less competition, and people do still search for that. Right. So if uh, you know, like the boardwalk condos, you know, everybody, all the big companies know about downtown Grand Rapids or Grand Rapids condos for sale, but they might not know about boardwalk. Right. And uh, I, I want to make sure I own the traffic uh, for anybody searching for those developments. We do the bigger ones too, but we really knowing our communities and knowing what people are searching for are going to be really, really important. Well, and that's the big thing, right? Like, I mean, when it comes to online marketing, sometimes it can be hard for an individual agent with an individual agent-sized budget to compete with these big players out there who have million and billion dollar budgets. However, when you get more creative with the keywords you're choosing to target, such as the individual name of a condo association, it becomes a lot more manageable because the out-of-towner wouldn't know about it. And for anyone that's like an SEO nerd like me, I mean, we just call that a long tail search versus a short tail search. Like how many more keywords can you add to that string before it becomes something that no one's searching for? And the more yep. detail that you can add in while while still having a searchable search, um, it's a huge, huge advantage. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And that's where it all started. And then, uh, I mean, if we're gonna get real geeky here, obviously we pixel everybody, then retarget on social media. And um, a lot of our Facebook leads, our, our Instagram leads, are, are they're, they're good leads, so they're not just random clickbait. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, there's nothing wrong. I call it clickbait when people just post stuff and then boost their posts. Uh, and, there, and again, there's nothing wrong with that, but you're going to get lower quality leads. The cash conversion cycle is going to take us a lot longer to, to close. Uh, but uh, if you're retargeting, those are going to be the hotter leads. Those are good leads. 
Yeah, and so for everyone out there, retargeting is one of my favorite one of my favorite ways to internet market. Retargeting is basically you put a piece of code on your website or on a digital asset that you own. When people go there, there's usually some type of message these days that says, hey, like we're collecting your cookies, blah, blah, blah. And then you are able to program ads via Google, Facebook, and other sources to only hit people who have already engaged with you in some way, shape, or form. Now you could do it to people who went to a certain page on your website. You can get as detailed as you want to, or you can just retarget your whole site traffic, which is, we do that a ton because it's easy to set up. What, Jason, like when you're retargeting someone, let's say I went to your website, I looked around, and then I'm being retargeted. What sort of information am I getting uh, for that second time around retargeting ad? It's going to be a combination, a combination of different things. Like we just we just took a listing this morning in Wyoming, so I'm I'm tar- I have boosted that towards anybody that's been uh, on our website looking for houses in Kentwood in Wyoming four nine five zero three four nine five zero seven. This is going to be more of a first time home buyer type budget, uh, lower budget house that we just listed. So uh, people that are going on my website that are looking for houses in those areas, my house is going to be retargeted towards those people. Got it. Um, we're going to do that. I do like to do the home value stuff. Uh, I, all of my social media home value stuff, uh, you know, find what your house is worth. Those are going to be t- uh, pointed towards people that have already been on my website as opposed to just a random everybody gets it. Um, and so the, the listing leads that we're going to get from there are going to be a lot better than a typical social media uh, listing lead. Um, yes, they're already we're promote our, like We have a client appreciation event tomorrow. I, I You know, that's being boosted right now. And uh, just fun stuff, anything that I, I want to get more interactive <coughs> in front of people, some of that too. That's, that's what I do. But real quick, man, I'm going to circle back here. Uh, it, it sounds very complicated. It's really not. You can learn how to do that. I learned how to do it through watching YouTube videos. It's really, really not hard to do. Uh, and Google has got, actually has wonderful customer service. Uh, the, uh, you can call Google and they'll walk you through the process. Facebook is a little bit more work, but uh, Google will actually pick up the phone and talk to you. Right. I mean, you know, we joke that everything in real estate marketing is either time or money, right? Like if you have the time and you're a new agent that doesn't have the revenue coming in, you can figure this stuff out yourself. Alternatively, Mm -hmm. if you're a busier agent, maybe you're running a team and you have the money coming in, you can pay someone to figure it out for you. But I I mean, I definitely think you still need to understand it because spending money on something you don't understand is always a, a way to lose your shirt pretty fast. Absolutely. So, you know, a question I get all the time, probably a question I get on Facebook the most, is how have you responded to Facebook's constant change? A lot of times, a lot of that change feels like it's specifically targeted to make realtors and lenders' lives suckier with all the new ad policies. How have you guys pivoted? Because I know you, you guys were doing heavy Facebook ads before. You're still doing a lot of heavy social media ads even with the restrictions that make it harder for real estate professionals to do it. How have you guys pivoted? I have a... I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. I'm actually on my second Facebook account because my first Facebook account got hacked and I lost everything. I couldn't convince them that I wasn't the one posting that stuff. <laughs> so I lost my first Facebook account, so I actually had to restart over. Um, and I don't think Facebook's actually changed anything in like 60 to 90 days since the iOS stuff that came out. So uh, it's, uh, you got to roll with the punches. Uh, you know, I, I do network a lot in the business, so there's a lot of masterminding going on as to how to tweak, how to make sure you stay on top of mind and staying cutting edge there. Uh, but uh, you, you just got to keep reading, just got to keep paying attention and, and, and staying with the times. Okay, that makes, that makes sense. So pivoting away from some of the internet leads for a quick sec, you have a really interesting, interesting business model. You, you figured out a couple years 
a couple of years ago that you you didn't want to work in a business or you didn't want to work on anything that wasn't scalable because obviously there's yep. only so many hours in the day. So walk us through how your business changed a couple of years ago and where it is today. I, so, I, I mean, I had a great income and, and, and uh, I, I don't want anybody to feel bad for me because I, I mean, it, it, we, we had a good lifestyle, but I, I just didn't enjoy the, I didn't enjoy the everyday real tour life. Uh, so to speak. And uh, it was getting old. Um, uh, I love business. So I just kind of switched my business, my mindset again, from instead of chasing deals, trying to get deals done uh, to building a business. And what that meant, what that really means is uh, that every single thing that I do, if I can't scale it, if I scaling, pouring gasoline and make it bigger, if it it can't grow, I don't want to do it. It's going to require manual labor if it's, you know, if this is something I can't grow organically, um, then I'm going to take it away from my system. We, I dove into every single step of the real estate process of selling a house, lead generation, everything. And there needs to be a system for every single piece of the transaction um, and also uh, in, in our business. Um, and, and that's just kind of my mindset. It was more of a mindset shift that I, I just wanted to make it, make this into a business as opposed to, Showing a thousand homes, writing a bunch of offers, losing a bunch, trying to get one. Now get another buyer. Same thing, and uh, just just shift the way we thought and the shift the way we did things. Um, I'll even go a step further. Even our showings, we we turned we turned that into a system with showing partners, where we have people now help with the showings, and that gives us nights and weekends off. Yeah, uh, you know, every single part of the business. If we can scale it, we're going to do it. If we can't scale it, we stop doing it. Well, it's you know, it's really interesting because real estate has the potential to be, and mortgages are no different, they have the potential to be some of the highest income um, professions out there. I mean, more so than a lot of even medical professions. However, Mm -hmm. all of those professions are so, 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 sometimes even over the top, regulated, organized, the same thing has to happen every time. I mean, you could almost call it discrimination if if it doesn't happen the same thing, same way every time. But for some reason, sales-based professions always stray away from like, you know, systematizing things because they just want to keep salespeople happy and let them do whatever they want. And it's just weird that not as many real estate professionals and mortgage professionals have tried and put the effort into systematizing and putting processes together that will make their businesses easier. But you have. And, you know, I think figuring that out, you know, lets you lead the life that you want to live. Yeah, it it makes I mean, it does a couple things. First of all, the client experience is going to be much more, um, and it's much more predictable. I mean, this business is always going to be a little crazy, but the client experience is much more predictable. Uh, your income's more predictable. Your lifestyle's more predictable. You know, if you go to the doctor's office, you're going to go in and you're going to fill out the paperwork. One person's going to hand you the paperwork. You're going to fill out the paperwork. You're going to sit down. Someone else is going to call you in, and then you're probably going to get weighed, and they check your blood pressure. Then you go into another room. There's someone else who's going to talk to you, and then the doc- there's a system in the doctor's office. If you go to your accountant, you go to the lawyer, they all have their systems in place. Well, for whatever reason, in real estate agents, we it's in our culture that we have to do everything. And I don't understand where that started, why that's around. Um, and, I, and I disagree. Uh, you don't have to do everything. You can do systems just like any other profession. I love that. So I you know one, one um, type of hire that you guys have done a great job with kind of figuring out how to work with them and then using them to make your life easier is virtual assistants. I remember when we talked before, you said you had a couple of VAs. Walk us through what your virtual assistants do and where to find them. So I, I got three virtual assistants right now. 
uh, this is something that we are looking to grow. Uh, they, uh, they're out of the Philippines. Um, Beth, uh, or, I'm sorry, Brian, uh, Seth, and, and uh, Johns. Um, I, uh, I, use a, I use a website called onlinejobs.ph, but there's a bunch of them out there. Frankly, I think that I, I found Facebook groups uh, where they're out there. Uh, we, uh, I got one person, so Johns is kind of more of our utility person. She's almost like our assistant to our assistant. She just kind of does a lot of the stuff. Uh, and we got projects and stuff like that that I that are I don't want to give to our admin. John takes care of all that. She will also sometimes call our database, our pond, and just to see if anybody in there is looking to buy. All these people have opted into our website, so she, you don't need a license to call those people. So once in a while, she'll be doing that. Uh, our other two VAs are strictly cold callers, and they're calling expires and fizzbos, but they do it for our Florida team, not Michigan, because in Florida you don't need a license to do that. Uh, so they're calling the expires, the fizzbos. They're generating seller leads for our listing agents in Florida. And again, that's a scalable model. Uh, you know, it started with one. We went to three, uh, considering adding another one. Um, I, you know, honestly, I, on the surface, some people judge me for doing this. They are hard workers. They're lovely people. We do uh, morning Zoom meetings with them every single day. They're part of the team. I tag them in every single social media post. And uh, it, it's been a... They're, they're great. I, I, I love them. They're doing a great job. Well, and I mean, I think you just, without necessarily saying it, you explained why it's working better for you than it would be for a lot of those people that maybe gave you that judgment. And you're, pour, it's, you're pouring into them. I mean, you're doing a daily team call yeah. with your VAs. You're tagging them. You're making them feel loved. I'm sure you're doing some other little things for them. I'm sure you're not taking them out to lunch uh, with the same place you're no, taking. bonuses. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, minimum wage in the Philippines is 72 cents an hour. So... It, when they've given them a $50 bonus, that's life-changing to them. Right. So they, they do get bonuses quite often. Um, they love that. And, uh, you know, and giving them days off. I mean, here's a paid day off. And, it, it, you know, financially, it really isn't the end of the world, obviously, if you do the math, but um, uh, to us, but it's a big deal to them. Uh-huh. And uh, and they love Americans, too. They're, they're very thankful for their job, and they, they love us. Now, this, just for anyone out there, I mean, when you're using, you know, using VAs from other countries, I mean, is there English grade on the phone when they're calling people? Like, how does, how, how do those little details pan out for you? Yeah, so that's something that's very important. There's a couple of things you got to look for if you're going to go into this area. You, you, you do got to, obviously, if they're going to be phone, if they're going to be on the phone, you got to obviously check their English. That is important. Uh, you also got to check their internet service. Um, so what I do is I do group Zoom interviews. And, um, it, well, first of all, there's also a lot of scams out there. If they're not going to go do a, a Zoom interview, then they're probably going to be a scam and I don't want to meet with them. Mm-hmm. But with the group Zoom interviews, I ask everybody to introduce themselves. I talk about what I'm looking for, then ask for questions that you have. I'm looking for their personality. I'm testing their English. And I'm also testing their Internet and, uh, and their work environment. I mean, I've interviewed people where there's chickens running around. You can literally see the chickens and hear the chickens in the conversation. Obviously, that they're not going to be good for on the phone. So you're testing their environment of, of you know, how well they're going to work with you uh, with the group Zoom interviews. That makes sense. So, and, and that's been our process. That's worked real well so far. Well, you probably wouldn't hire me. I just discovered that there's roosters and chickens in the alley behind one of my rental properties in downtown Grand Rapids. So um, I'm probably off the list. But. I'm not anti-rooster, anti-chicken, but if you're going to be cold calling for me, I, I can't have the chickens run around in the background. <laughs> I feel like that. Uh, I feel like you're anti- you're not anti-rooster. That should be like the banner for this podcast. That's the funniest thing so far. Uh, so thank God that's not a protected class. <laughs> thank, thank God I don't want this podcast to get shut down over a flippant rooster comment. 
<laughs> well, Jason, I really, really appreciate your time today. We, we want to keep uh, be respectful of your time. Uh, what closing, closing tips and pieces of advice would you give to agents who want to further systematize their businesses? Yeah, you, you really, you don't have to do everything. You, you don't, you don't have to control everything. Um, if, you know, if you're, if you don't have an admin, you are the admin. Uh, so really start there first and, um, and look at every single step of the process, really break down your, your daily routine, your daily activities. And if there's anything in there that can't, that you can't scale, that you can't grow. And if you want to turn this into the business, you got to take those activities out and really focus on growing. I love that. That makes perfect sense. Well, Jason, thank you so much for the time today. If someone wants to reach out to you, maybe they have a referral for one of your Michigan or one of your Florida agents. How would they get in touch with you? Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, there's a couple different ways. Uh, my cell phone is 616-821-1350. Uh, 616-821-1350. Anybody's welcome to call or text me anytime. Um, you can go to my website at grhomes.net um, or you can email me at Jason dot lash l-a-s-h at grhomes.net and uh, i'm always an open book i'm always happy to talk to other agents awesome well jason we really really appreciate your time today and hopefully we can meet up for a pizza soon all right that sounds good man i appreciate the opportunity to speak all right thanks jason thanks for listening the marketing and other markets podcast is proudly supported by neighborhood loans and treadstone funding Visit them online to see a new type of culture and energy in home lending. For more actionable real estate marketing tips and tricks, check out my book, The Tangible Action Guide for Real Estate Marketing, available on Amazon. Interested in being on the show? Reach out to us via Instagram at mattmusket88. See you next time.